Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk, movie musings for mostly everyone. Listen as these boys attempt to unravel the clues I have so expertly hidden in this film. And remember, where there's a mystery, you can always find me, Mr. E. Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week, I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and when I think of my wife, I always think of the back of her head. I picture hunking her lovely skull, unspooling her brain, trying to get answers. Dude, what a start to a movie. Sorry. <laughs> what a start and to I'm, a podcast. And I'm Carter, and... I swear you two are the most chunked up people I've ever known. And I specialize in chunked up. <laughs> that feels metatextual. That feels like maybe Isn't Carter it? could be talking to us. <laughs> it might maybe. be. That could be the case. You I know, know what I'm talking to case. a hunk. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Let's yep. talk about it. When you're like, <laughs> when the two who aren't the hunk are trying to find like a way real quick, it's like this... <laughs> Yeah, but what about you? But speaking of, you, uh, hey, Hunk. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help but notice. Hey, give me a second. Give me a second. I couldn't help but notice. <laughs> <laughs> Doge, why are you the Hunk? Tell us it's now. It's because, Carter, I've stolen your thunder. Uh, you are the academic boy, but I beat you and I have a PhD now. Oh, congrats. And that's, that stands for podcast help degree. And that's because I Googled <laughs> how to be funny. Uh, and it's about time that we start taking some of these into consideration. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. no joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, jokes are done for just a second. I just realized right now for the first time in my life that I have no idea what PhD stands for. Yeah, what does Do- it stand for? Doctorate of Philosophy. The PH is philosophy. I'm technically getting an EDD, which is a doctorate in education. Ed. No, it's edd. Sorry. Ed. Uh, this is a list compiled by... Uh, best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Science of People, <clears throat> Vanessa Van Edwards. Uh, and it's a list of how to be funny. And I just <laughs> want to preface this by saying that the article that I found is chock-a-block full to the very brim with video clips of Jennifer Lawrence. So we know <laughs> this is just going to be completely <laughs> side-splitting. Bust oh, our man. guts right to death. 
The first thing that she suggests is when people expect you to say yes, try saying no. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, no, I'm not going to. See? Hilarious. We're already being funny. The next one, she says, play with numbers. And I'm going to read you this. Why? Because numbers are specific. When something is small, numbers tell. When something is big, numbers tell. When someone is a jerk, numbers tell. Please forget that last sentence, but the first two are true. This one, this one basically boils down to, if you're going to say a big number, say only before it. Only 3,000. If you're going to say a small number, say, this is a huge amount, get ready. Four. She said, it says, this is a huge amount, get ready. It says, this is a very big amount. Four. I will say, though, my dad is good at number humor, and it's a thing because he will look like, say, say we are watching uh, the Olympics and the stadium is filled, and we're seeing this massive uh, opening ceremony. And he says, My goodness, this must have cost hundreds of dollars. <laughs> But that's, that's funny. Not, that's not if, funny because of numbers. Your dad's just it, funny. Like if you look at funny. or if you look at that and go, "Oh my gosh, there's at least 10 people there." You're probably right. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, Tell uh, me she more. goes on to say the next thing that's important is to do the use the rule of 3. Think of it as first thing normal, second thing normal, third thing funny, odd or different. Third thing <laughs> wacky. My favorite foods are tacos, pizza, <laughs> and the souls of children. <laughs> That's pretty funny. She's That's right. hilarious, dude. And now it begins to turn a corner oh. into something that I think no funny person. Now it's turning a corner? <laughs> no, it's it sounds Vanessa like Vanessa says, if none of the, if if you are going through this list and being like, yeah, of course, I do all those. I'm hilarious. <laughs> Try using a character switch. And I'm going to read to you the the scholarly work that Vanessa has done. <laughs> when we tell a story, there are usually multiple characters in that story. More often than not, those characters have very distinct personas that people will make assumptions about. For example, Little Red Riding Hood is the vulnerable one, and the Big Bad Wolf is the dangerous one. But what if you switch personas around, and the Big Ooh. Bad Wolf suddenly is vulnerable? That's when people's assumptions are overturned, and things become really interesting and funny. Dude, that's Whoa. so funny. Oh my goodness, dude. She that's says so use, funny. use whatever as your secret weapon. So when somebody asks you a question, you can say whatever. No, shut up. That's real advice that she has written down. She says to use real life stories, not jokes. The classic examples of this are Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. So do stand up is what she's saying. Delay the funny. When you have a funny quip or idea or joke, it's hard not to share it right away. Put the funny part at the end of the sentence. For example, hey guys, get ready. I hope you're ready to laugh so hard. If the fact that it's a cat is the surprise or twist in your story, don't say there was a cat in the box. Say in that box was a cat. I and then am... she leaves us. As powerful as she entered into our lives, Vanessa is gone. And that's the end of the article. The I love that her advice I... to be funny is... Hey, if you're wanting to be funny, put the shocking twist of your story at the end. I think the movie we're going to talk about today would disagree with the shocking twist placement. Right. Hey, she made but a transition can, for us. I, I will say, though, 
Let's try our best to incorporate some of these things and do an actually funny episode for once and be entertaining. I no. think Vanessa would be very proud of us. You're already doing it. And <laughs> I am dead with laughter, dude. I think that all three of us would do an excellent <laughs> job. <laughs> dude, you're not going to... <laughs> You're not even gonna believe how many hosts this podcast has, dude. It's unbelievable. It's too many. There's three. I think Car- it's like it's like Carter's normal. I'm normal, and Jordan's oh, he's wacky. I'm wild, dude. He's wild. <laughs> okay. You know what else is wild? The second movie of our Mister E series, the movie we're going to talk about today, and it is known as Gone Girl. And uh, in order to properly talk about this movie, discuss it, unravel it, crack its skull open, I think I need a synopsis from the captain. Doge, take us away. This week's IMDb synopsis is written by user Guste. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. A Missouri couple had a great life in their house with no kid, but it all changed when their fifth wedding anniversary occurs. Nick, the husband, now realizes that his wife, Amy, has gone missing. He calls the local authorities for reporting the situation. Along with the time and the local searching program, the progress becoming blurred between Nick's version of the story or the new investigation result that Nick suspected of killing his wife. Now, Mm. Nick struggles for convincing the media, telling them if he didn't kill his wife and probe the cryptic clues from his own wife. Huh? Are they trying to be funny? Is that why we got... The unexpected twist was that I I think they wrote it in their native tongue and put it into Google Translate. And Google Translate Translate has had the last laugh because I did not expect it. Well, if, if that's true, if that if that's through Google Translate, then honestly, the first ninety percent was pretty strong. Yeah, a numbers just, joke. That's just great, sort of, dude. Just sort of farted and fell down there at the very end. But yeah, the first little bit was pretty good. This, movie, I mean, we all we all watched it. We know what happens, dude. The opening, head on chest. I want to crack your skull open. I mean, could. Do me a favor and think of a movie whose first 30 seconds better sets the tone. Mm-mm. I, I, I remember seeing this in theaters. We uh, saw it together. Yeah, we did. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember leaving a movie theater as unsettled as Dude, I left the same. movie theater after seeing this. It just has. It's one of those movies that you're just like. Ugh. I viewed Chelsea differently. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Callie. You remember this? Callie had just dyed her hair lighter and gotten that like chop haircut like the day before we went and no saw way. that's gone girl <laughs> i vividly remember being like i don't i don't feel like i trust you anymore i don't like this <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, and i i think all credit for the way the story pans out like i don't just mean like story beats but like the way things are revealed to us all credit goes to jillian flynn Absolutely. Because uh, she has written this incredible story and was in, like super involved in the creation of the movie. Um, but I, I just, I hadn't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. This is only my second time watching this. And I, again, just sat amazed by how well this thing unravels in front of us as the audience. Yes. Like this yes. movie 
it does some actually it does something we'll see again in this series, which is it reveals its secrets midway through. Yep. Mm-hmm. And still at that point keeps you completely, maybe even more locked in than before the secret is revealed. It turns from a mystery into like a a thriller halfway it, through. I feel and like. it manages to raise the stakes <clears throat> even after showing you all of its cards. And I think that's something um, I want to keep that in our back pocket for our discussion yeah. of a movie later too. But something that this movie does so well is at the midway point when it goes, okay, here's what really happened. It still manages to go. And now things are even more tense because yeah, it's, that not just, it's not just a bad situation. It's a bad situation orchestrated to be as terrible as possible. Yeah. yeah. Editing is <clears throat> editing is such a strong player in a mystery movie. Totally. I feel like. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's the, 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 the pace and time that you choose to introduce certain plot points is very important. Uh, yes. And this one does it very well. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that, so I think that the way that we get our information in this movie is, I don't want to say entirely unique. I mean, there's tons of movies that intercut between two separate stories and two separate points of view. But the fact that we, at least my read on it is both of our quote unquote narrators are unreliable. We get Amy's journal and we get Nick's perspective. And it seems like both are not quite 100% true at any point. Yeah, I'd say the characters are lying, but I think the frame of the film is reliable. Like, I think there's not room for like, oh, but did he really find it in the woodshed? You know what I mean? Like, I think the frame of no, the film, what, totally. what we're shown is truth, but the characters themselves are lying. That's that's what I mean. Whenever gotcha. we're seeing something that Amy is narrating from her journal, I don't think it's necessarily the truth. Hmm. Um, like, I don't, it seems to me presented as though Nick never actually hit her until that day in the bathroom at the end. Like, hmm. I didn't get that. I, I got that basically all her flashbacks were true because then she wrote a fake journal. But when we got that flashback, we were hearing her narrate from the journal. Was she narrating from the fake journal then at that yeah. point? Yes. Yeah. Because she said that the only true stuff in the journal is the early years, the beginning when it was all good. See, and everything I think she's else narrating from her real journal though, because we get a narration that says, I wrote a fake journal and she didn't write that in the fake no, no, journal. No, no, no. That's when she's in the car laying out her plan sure and is that not from her real journal no i don't think so okay i don't think she has a real journal she, we've seen we watched her writing in her real journal no i don't think so i think there was an intentional point i, I thought it was all one journal and like fake journal entries and we it starts to become fake when she starts to use different pens Oh, that's I thought that that was supposed to be a moment hmm. that, because sometimes it's in blue and in red and that's starting right. to like become more and more as she gets yeah. deeper into the lie. That's interesting. I, I hadn't considered the fact that maybe she is reading from her fake journal the whole time and just the voiceover where she's explaining her plan is just her talking to the audience, I guess, not reading a journal entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm not remembering a, a new real journal. Maybe that's in there. I just am not yeah. remembering that. But I think, because my whole thing is what the the crux of my theory about truth in this movie is her journal cannot be real. Like the, the the stuff she talked about at the beginning can't be because he straight up says 
the pregnancy thing is completely reversed. Like everything is completely backwards from how her journal says it. And if you're right, and like the lens of the movie itself is telling the truth, he is shocked that she has like kept in touch with this fertility clinic and like has kept up that relationship. Like he thought she was the one that didn't want the child. And so, yeah, I and guess I, I just, I think I read that as like, she's lying and manipulating him. And then he's lying when people ask him about it. Like they're, I don't know. I, I think we're both arriving at the same result that like, we can't trust either character when they say something happened. We just get to watch them basically live in this situation they've created. Right. And and I feel like something that's so interesting about this movie is that there, it to me, to the watcher, there is one uh, consistent character who is like good and everyone else sucks. And it's Carrie Coon's character. Uh, mm-hmm. Go. <clears throat> yeah. She's the only person with a moral leg to stand on in this movie. And every, everyone, the cops, Nick, Amy, friends, everyone else sucks. And that's so interesting like to yeah. watch a movie like this. I think I would argue that, because you're talking about uh, Margot, right? Right. Uh, I, would, I would say Detective Boney or yeah. Bonnie. I, th- I think is eventually she comes around. But the, the, my first, so when, when they're in Nick's house and they start confronting him about killing his wife and he gets upset and defensive and they're both like, how about you calm down? To me, the whole vibe of that is very much like you're in my kitchen accusing me of murder and telling me to calm down. I don't know. I just, I think that was supposed to show that Nick has a temper. And so they were, that was one of their first clues that he could have killed his wife. Oh, no, I totally agree. I'm just talking about the like. If you step into my kitchen and accuse me of killing Callie, I'm going to get mad about it. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Sure. I guess I didn't read that as an antagonistic from the from the cops there. Yeah. Gotcha. I'd say, I'd say yeah, the I detective totally and Margot are Detective and Margot are are good. I think yeah. Tyler Perry too. The the defense He's a attorney. lawyer. He's a lawyer with a $100,000 retainer. So, I mean, he's he's making cash off the situation. But Tyler Perry kills it in this movie, dude. Definitely the weirdest entry in the Medea Cinematic Universe, but I think he does a great job. <laughs> uh, before we get off on the Medea Cinematic Universe, because I feel like that's a place we can't that's come back That's the real from, MCU. Um, is, this is, it feels like this conversation, we could just carbon copy to almost every David Fincher movie. Yes. Yeah. Of not really having super good people. <laughs> I mean, seven, sure. which was like his, one of his first big movies after he had done for years, like music videos, basically mm-hmm. seven, you know, you've got at least two characters in that one that are clearly good. Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman's characters, but everything else he's done fight club. I mean, his, his main character in, in a biopic is Mark Zuckerberg, right? right? So it's like, <laughs> He is not, he's not normally doing that. And then, yeah. Well, but Fincher is just so, Fincher makes me think of rain and yeah. darkness and gray. Dark blue. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that anybody else could have tackled choice. this movie. I was just about to say, he is, yeah. it's such a match made in heaven to have him directing a Gillian Flynn screenplay. Like yes. their, their vibes complement each other so spectacularly. And that's actually weirdly going to be my super pump. Oh, yeah, I love the, it. the integration between our director and our uh, our screenplay author. Uh, it just feels like and, and they, you know, it, it's very rare to watch it, watch a movie and be like, oh, they weren't on the same page. 
But it seems like Gillian Flynn and David Fincher are just so spectacularly in sync with the way they want this movie to totally. feel. Uh, that it it is a tour de force just because of their their collaboration together. So super yeah. pumped to David Fincher and Gillian Dude, Flynn. Yep, that's a great super pump. Did, have y'all seen what David Fincher's, uh, it's going to sneak up on us, but he's got a movie coming out October um, of this year that has been completed. Have you heard about it? No. I think I have. I, I, mean, I might have. It. I don't remember what it is. So, so it's, it's called Mank. Uh, and it's essentially about Herman, uh, I can't ever, Mankiewicz, the development of Citizen Kane. So Orson oh. Welles and Citizen Kane. And the making of that with like Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Gary Oldman. Wow. Um, Fincher cool. and Oldman. So, how are you doing? You okay? Is your heart all right? <laughs> no, I'm not good. What else makes me not okay is y'all want to see the guy. I'm going to show this. This is just for my host because they deserve it. And here is the guy that they got to play Orson Welles uh, that David Fincher has in, in Mank. Let me know if this is a good casting, boyos. Whoa. What the heck? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That That's is bizarre. very weird. <laughs> wow it's weird because it looks just like orson wells that freaks and me this out. is funny i want to bring up that point because i almost super pumped one of david fincher's like methods for wanting to cast his movies is just going through and looking at pictures of celebrities yeah he is so about uh like one of the main reasons or not one of the main i mean I, i'm sure there were several but one of the big reasons we get Rosamund Pike in this movie is because he liked how ambiguous her age, her age was. Yeah. That she equally feels much younger and much older. Yeah. And I, and I would agree with that description. I think much. I would too. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just kind of wanting Affleck because he had seen in some of Ben Affleck's photos, the kind of smile that Ben Affleck that, like, will do like he smirk. did in front of that yes. side smirk and saying like, there's a lot of weight to that. And what this a, will be one of the paramount reasons I'm casting this guy in this movie. What a great cast for somebody who's supposed to be accidentally smug. Right. Yes. That is so Ben Affleck. Well, oh actually, gosh, accidentally yes. smug and like kind of wooden. I, I'm not saying I think Ben Affleck's always wooden, but he comes across that way uh, on accident sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so like yeah. steering into that skid in this movie for the casting of Ben Affleck. Like I, I like Ben Affleck. I, Sometimes I'll take him or leave him, but most of the time I tend to like him and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like he crushes this movie. I don't think it's severely underrated, but I think maybe his accidental smugness makes him pretty underrated as an actor. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. In general, because he feels like one of those people that uh, just has stuff given to him because he's like attractive and charming, but in a different when way than been like a Gosling a or a Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the only, you know, I tried to look at his his Oscar nominations and stuff and, mm -hmm. and he's won two but one of them was for Argo and mm -hmm. that was for directing and producing and the other was Goodwill that first hunting. one that he got when he was like 21 years old with yeah. Matt Damon yeah. for Goodwill Hunting so it's never really been acting that I think he's even been nominated for right yeah and and I think as far maybe as the acting cut itself goes that. no I don't want to talk about the Snyder Cut as far as acting itself goes maybe he's not in that Oscar caliber consistently but I just, I just like him. I there's something I like about him most times. He does he definitely a great fits job well as well in this role. I feel like this is this is the Ben Affleck role. You know what I mean? Like he can do this very well. Yeah, this yes. and stuff like the town where he's just like from Boston and gruff yeah. works like that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't for a second believe he was from Missouri in this movie though. No, nah. no, 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 no. He does, he does fit that like corn fed beefy boy kind of vibe though. Like the he's corn, just a big he dude, all natural corn fed. 
no GMO beef boy. Beef boy. He had some weight fluctuation in this movie of uh-huh. about between like 12 and 20 pounds. Like it was uh, when I was reading about it, but it's because of Batman, because yeah. of uh, being being Batman as well um, between shots. I don't want to takes. move on too far from vibe without at least mentioning Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. For real. Um, this soundtrack spanks. It was almost my super pump. It is very so unsettling. unsettling, so creepy. Um, like I know, especially in movie circles, if you bring up David Fincher and Trent Reznor, it's like immediate like movie bro. You only like Fight Club kind of judgment. That gets it's like leveled. bringing up Nolan or Hans Zimmer. Yeah, and again, I say famous for a reason. Like apps, Trent Reznor and David Fincher are a match made in. Heaven. Atticus Ross is good. Well. I don't care who kicked who cooked it. <laughs> right. Or who kicked it, actually. Or who kicked it, yeah. Weirdly. Did enough. you read about the, the inspiration of this soundtrack? Yeah. A spa. The- <laughs> Fincher went to a spa and that l- low music that was playing was actually enough off that it was unsettling to him and kind of ruined his experience. <laughs> and then he was like, that would be perfect for this movie. <laughs> that is so good though, because when we're in, when we're in the flashbacks, it like doesn't stop and it doesn't right. seem to like match what's happening in the flashbacks. Exactly. It's really, really unsettling. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I I want more Carrie Coon in this world. I think that um between this and Fargo and the leftovers and things like that, we've gotten some and the Avengers snippets. Yeah, Proxima Midnight. She's in oh, that's right. Infinity War. Totally forgot. She is totally wasted in those movies. By the way, yeah, Yeah, for sure. She's too good to be covered up in CGI. Margot's the character of Margot was almost my super pump. She was close to mine as well. She has so many layers as like someone who like deeply loves, and I love that they're twins. Right, like there is a sibling love for each other. But there is almost the supernatural connection between yeah, twins. 100%. Um, and that's also another good David Fincher casting. It does look like they could be related. Yeah. Even very though they're much. about nine years apart. Um, but yeah, it's she's she's so good. This was like her first big film. Yeah. Was Gone Girl. Nuts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She's so good in this. Now, I think when it comes to mystery movies, you know, obviously Clue from last week kind of sits in its own category because it's sort of a send up of this genre in a lot of ways but i wouldn't even say this genre of like one one facet of the multifaceted right. gym that is mysterious you're you're absolutely right because i mean the mystery in this is not even remotely close to like a I would murder call this mystery like sci-fi fantasy horror thriller action <laughs> comedy probably <laughs> i yes i think in this type of movie in any movie with a mystery but especially this type of that rides the line right between thriller and mystery the movie is only as good as the unraveling of that mystery can be. Like, like how it's unspooled completely, I think, affects how you take in the movie. And so, do you remember the first time you saw this and it cuts to Amy saying, my life got way better after I died? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you remember how you felt in that moment? Like mind, like, yeah, <clears throat> mind blown. I hadn't read the book. Yeah, so I was just like, it is such to, I think this is an underrated twist in movies. Like, I think people talk about a ton of twists all the time. You know, you bring up all kinds of movies with these big twists and how people love it and all this stuff. I think this is mm-hmm. super underrated and really yeah. well done. I mean, underrated movie. Yeah. In I general, agree with it that. only had one Oscar nomination for, and there was way more that was good about this movie than than just that Oscar nomination. 
to totally. borrow our balloon analogy from last week, it feels like it feels like we popped the balloon, but then didn't realize, oh no, it was full of glue, and now there's glue everywhere, and it's actually worse that it popped now. Right. Yes. <laughs> totally. Um, yes. I so my super pump for this movie is Rosamund Pike as Oof. Amy. This movie That's like just, ruined her for me in other roles. Yeah, she because she's so unsettling. Don't get me wrong. This this movie almost rides the line of a horror movie for me. Like it is, it is, it's scary to imagine yourself as almost any character in this movie. Like put yourself in anyone's shoes, and this is a scary situation to be in. But mm-hmm. Rosamund Pike, I mean, Tyler Perry got paid a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he's for a retainer to do nothing. When when it switches. And Amy's voice is lower and she doesn't care anymore. And she's carrying herself different. She looks different. She's talking deeper and speaking like, dude, I just don't get how this performance by her doesn't come up in movie conversations constantly. You know what, though? It does come up a lot in people who were robbed of an Oscar. Mm. She was nominated, right? Julianne Moore would win this year and nobody remembers what movie she was in. I couldn't even tell you. What movie was it? I don't know. I just told you. No one knows. It's forgotten <laughs> it's lost to, the, to time. The annals like of history. Tears in rain. Basically. But this, I, 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 she, I hate Amy's character. I hate Nick's character. I hate everybody in this movie, but I'm supposed to. And Rosamund Pike absolutely drives home this entire thing for me. I mean, this movie yeah. hinges completely on buying Amy's BS being scared of her, understanding how people could be charmed by her, understanding how people could like get light. Like so much comes down to who is playing her Mm -hmm. and she crushes this. Yeah. She's, she's my super pump too. Okay. The, uh, Rosamund Pike has, as Amy, Amy Dunn. Mm -hmm. I think it takes a really special actor to play this level of aloof, right? Like it is, I was talking to Chelsea when we were watching it. I was like, you know what? If this was like no name people and uh, I like if it had a certain setting of like a made for TV and the production quality wasn't as good, I would look at this character and be like, what an awful actress. Right. Like the way she's just like has hardly like the emotion scale is like not quite there. Right. Like it's there's there's nothing peaking or anything, but it's perfect. Well, and with with somebody playing her so well, you're able to go, oh, it's because she's a sociopath. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's she's she's the she is any and all reason for the payoff of this movie is is her. Uh I so Amy Dunn is on my Mount Rushmore of villains. I yeah. thought that last night. I did too. Dude, she's like Hannibal Lecter levels of devious. Yes. Yeah. My my like my Mount Rushmore is Lecter, Amy Dune, Commodus from Gladiator. Oh yeah. And um who else would I have up there? Oh, uh Ledger's Joker. Yeah. Or probably yeah. like my dude, that's a good but it's but this is dude, like the scenes that she has like even down to what's funny is the most subtle thing is the thing that makes you feel like she's the worst kind of person and it's when she spits in that chick's mountain dew right yeah you're like oh you're awful like it's it's like okay you're going to slit neil patrick harris's throat later like yes that's awful but there is something about just the little things that she does that you're like you she's are she's just through and through awful 
Right. So I think Doge, I think bad. that's what it is. Is it's because like, she it's doesn't not benefit just, from spitting in her Mountain Dew. Like that doesn't help her achieve her goal of making Nick's life miserable. Well, and she doesn't just save, doing that to be mean. She doesn't save the evil for the quote unquote worst offenders. It's just like yeah. Yeah, I'll just, I got I have plenty a, to spare. Anybody who crosses her. You want a bit of spice and all this super pump though? Yeah, I'd love it. I I don't even think, even though she is on my Mount Rushmore, that she is the number one villain in this movie. Interesting. Do you think there's somebody that's a greater villain or are you saying like there's not it's really a clear villain? Her parents. Yeah, it's her parents. There's, their aloofness paired with her aloofness is such a great like... And I, I'm not convinced that the the coastal elite kind of vibe that they give off are real people that exist. But if they do, sure. they would be like this. This kind of just like so so. I don't think Amy does. I don't, know. I, I don't think Emmy does any of this if she is not treated the way she is by her parents. Yeah, yeah. who are changing the own narrative about their daughter and making her what they want her to be, just like she does to her husband. Yeah. Yep. She is doing exactly what her parents did to her to everybody else, and she's an expert because she grew up in it. Yeah, Jillian her Flynn likes literally parental made her, wounds. Like she yes. likes to write stories with parental wounds causing people to snap. Dude, her parents are the reason that she, she is just so awful. Yeah. Oof. No, that's a, that's so a awful. great point, and it it's it's hard, right? Because it's like that's like saying the chest burster isn't evil because the xenomorph exists. And it's like, eh, they're one and the same, but I hear you like, you know, <laughs> one creates the other, but then it turns into that. Like they kind of have sure, to go that's together. A more it's like a tangible version. Yeah. It's like yeah. a package deal. eats the grass. <laughs> right. I think, I just do think it's very intentional for us to have enough time to kind of intimately look at how she feels about her parents. A hundred percent. Yeah. And how she treats other people. Yeah. Well, and we look at like brilliant. at her, at her, not vigil, but like when all the volunteers are coming and like, I've, I've known people from the Midwest, like there is a built in politeness that doesn't even have to come from a place of kindness. I think most of the time it does, but it doesn't have to. Politeness is like in the same way that I'll just hold a door out of habit. They will give of their time to go help somebody real quick out of habit because the Midwest is just like that. And so when and th there's more I want to talk about in this same vein, um, and I'll save it for kind of our back half discussion. But like when his when her parents get so mad at Nick, it's like you're the homecoming king, right? Are you and kidding? It's like, what are you talking he just about? Smiled at people, yeah. It's just there's so many people you hate in this movie. That's what I'm yes, saying. everyone, everyone sucks. <laughs> just, because no, don't hear me, don't hear me say that and be like, oh, but Nick's a good guy. See, they just been interested. No, right, he's correct. awful. He's awful. I'm willing to extend my. Carter, you convinced me. I think I am willing to extend uh, Detective Boney the same grace that I'm extending Margot and put them both in the good guy category. I think the detective takes longer to get there for me. But, yeah. but man, besides the two of them, I don't know that there is anybody here <laughs> that, like I'm rooting for, I guess, but I love it. I don't know, man. This is such a wild I mean, ride. We're smiling through it, right? Because totally. it is just a... I mean, it's not, I'm not going to say it's like Shakespearean, but it's like, it's just full of, there's just so much you get to know about characters. It feels like at a quicker pace when they're awful. Yeah. Like when it's somebody that's really bad, yeah. you begin to learn more about them because whether we want to say it or not, like there's certain parts of us that relate to 
like vengeance and like being upset at people. And it's, that's the, the, one of the most terrifying things about this movie is it's really a lot of what fuels it outside of, you know, Amy's parenting and, and stuff like that is just an unhappy marriage. Just like two people that are kind of forcing them. Like it's terrifying how realistic, obviously like not super realistic, but also realistic this movie is. Yeah. And, and I think, a a like a bad marriage doesn't even begin to cover it. It is two people completely using and abusing one another for literal years that causes the yeah. boiling point to really boil over. But I mean, this is like the same heaviness of watching marriage story, except there's consequences that are greater than just a divorce. Right. Like it's just goes an extra step and it's Oof. a scary one. Yeah. Um, there's lots of scary things in this world, but one thing that isn't scary is consistency. And you can always count on the fact that about this time in the episode, we're going to head over to Shout Announcements. I was going to say welcome to Shout Announcements, but then my freezer door swung open. And guys, mm-hmm. my ice maker is just making bullets now. <laughs> and the only thing that I can think of is that there is a task at hand and Mr. E is trying to get me to do something naughty and I'm very scared right now. <laughs> what a fever dream of an intro into Shout Announcements. Look, you asked and I delivered. I don't know what else you want from me. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, does Has Mr. E contacted any of you today? Particularly, no, particularly Carter? Nope. <laughs> Did Mr. E not text you and be like, hey, talk about this and shout announcements? No, I haven't received. Wait one second. That's a really no, bad. Can you really like my good. rumble noise? <laughs> um, oh, no, that's Chelsea. One second. I got to let her know what we need to get at the grocery store. Wait, she's, she's, she said she's at the grocery store with an old friend. That's fun. Wait, it's just a silhouette. <laughs> oh, my God. What is he holding? Hold up. I got to zoom in on this. It looks like ranch style beans. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, that's not ranch style beans. That is an ask to rate and review this <gasps> podcast and talking about the significance of. And I get um, those two things confused ooh, all some the other, time, dude. <laughs> some, uh, some other information that uh, I won't share. Um, certain threats that I will handle as soon as we're done. <laughs> Uh, with this podcast, but um, yeah, yeah. Rate and review. That would be great. Uh, not only for the lives of our podcast, but the lives of our lives. Um, That's my favorite it, it, daytime soap opera. The lives of our lives. The lives of our lives. We you have to say it the same way, don't you? <laughs> we have to say it that way. Uh, but yeah, please rate and review. It, it helps people discover us. Uh, even though there is one certain person we would like to forget uh, who we are. Um, but we need a lot of other people to discover us. So Please rate and review. And honestly, on top of that, uh, spread the word much like you would have a, if something was missing, you'd want to put it on as many telephone poles as possible to help people figure that out. Um, just in case maybe we go missing. I, I don't know. Re- regardless, share about us. Let people know about us. I think I think if our memories are to live forever, uh, more people need to know. So please rate, review, I share. Mean, text your friends, text your family, episodes of this show, post about us on your like social media stories. That's a, always a great way to get people to just see it. I mean, you guys are our, our grassroots. We need you. 
Help us spread our wings and fly away from this terrible, terrible silhouette man stalking each of us. Mr. E is becoming scarier as the show goes on. <laughs> He's like a horror movie villain. We originally envisioned him as like a dark mirror to Hercule Poirot, but he is becoming the Slender Man. <laughs> we do have an exciting chance, uh, an exciting opportunity to talk to you guys about. And no, I'm not going to ask you to become a boss babe and join my MLM, though if you want to, please reach out to me. Uh, we're we're going to be hosting a little, a little merch giveaway uh, over on Instagram. So what's going to happen is Mr. E has sent us some clues uh, that if you follow us on Instagram, you saw the first one go up last week, there's going to be three more. Um, and the way this is going to work is we're going to create a graphic that you can share on your Instagram story once that last cr- clue goes live, where you can fill in the answers to these four questions Mr. E has cooked up from you out of the depths of his dark and twisted mind. If you get those answers correct, we're going to put your names into a hat. And when we're recording our Knives Out episode, we're going to draw a name out of that hat. And this person, uh, whoever has gotten those clues correctly, uh, whoever has guessed those clues correctly, will win a merch item of their choosing. Uh, So be sure to listen. If you enter this competition, and honestly, even if you don't, be sure to listen to our Knives Out episode on release day because we will be saying... Uh, we'll be announcing the winner of our Mr. E merch sweepstakes, the Mr. Eep stakes. Uh, <laughs> and we'll be reaching out to try and get in touch with you and figure out which merch item uh, you would like to receive from us. So again, keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram. Be ready to answer those clues the second the last one goes live. Melissa Watch. Listen, we have updates and the updates... More like more like Melissa Joan Hartless. Dude, the updates are that nothing has happened and Melissa Joan Hart is ignoring us. And I'm not saying that I know for sure that this is why Mr. E has come into our lives, but if a dark and nefarious force of kindness were to sweep the nation because of Mr. E and his involvement here in this podcast, then if it were up to me, I would... Oh my goodness, a word just imploded in my brain. I would direct all of that dark and nefarious kindness directly at Melissa Joan Hart's Instagram posts and feed. And what I'm asking, look, if you're listening to shout announcements, that means you're with us. You listen to us and you probably love us. At least I hope you do because I love you already. And listen, I need you to pick up your phone, go to Melissa Joan Hart's Instagram, like once a day, even if you've already commented on the picture. Tag us, tell her we're trying to get in touch, tell her to reach out to us, mention the movie. I mean, Feliz Navidad, by the way, if you don't know that. And we need your help because we're too, we're, our potatoes are too small for her to mess with. And we need help becoming larger potatoes. That's right. You say that. I wonder, is it any coincidence that we have waged war on the most powerful teenage witch this side of the Atlantic and now Whoa. are being chased by a dark and deadly figure from a demonic Salem dimension. Oh, you think she sent Mr. E after us? Maybe she summoned Mr. E. And the only way to defeat him is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family and social media feeds. <laughs> this is amazingly creative. The real Melissa Joan Hart was the friends we made along the way. Dang, dude. This is the last episode, isn't it? <laughs> This is all the callbacks. They're coming Gosh, right man, now. It's been fun. Uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd like to talk about my super dump, if that's okay. Okay. Mr. E just sent a raven with a note tied to his claw that said, just so you know, when Jordan asks if he can talk about his super pump, you have to say it's okay. So it's okay. Well, I said super dump. I said super dump. Oh, that's um, I have to I send this raven back. Super pump. <laughs> yeah, send <laughs> that raven back. Is it okay? Does it need water? Um, For such a tight and interesting movie, um, like plot wise, not tight like toy, but like tight like... <laughs> This movie's freaking sick, dude. The the thing that falls short for me is some of the logic involved in the solving of this mystery is flimsy to me. Explain. So, for instance, they're getting anonymous tips from phone calls and anonymous comments on websites that seem to be accurate every time and nobody's tracing where those calls came from. Nobody's trying to figure out who made that tip. Um, that kind of thing. Like they're just accepting that some random do good or has information and not trying to follow up on that. Um, things like the timing of the warrant for the shed doesn't come through until like right at the perfect time for, I don't know. There's just some things where it's like everything happens perfectly badly. Like, like everything goes wrong in just the right way to the point where it's, it's like, it starts to veer into like nightmare fantasy versus like gritty mystery. I get me. that. I think the most egregious example is Amy making the phone call. There's been some mysterious activity at the woodshed of one Margot Dunn. Click. She hangs up. To me, right. like, let's give that, let's give that element to uh, her friend, Penny Hart's. Uh, from happy ending which is right. a really yeah, like yeah, that's a really fun creative yeah but let's give that to her play, like let's yeah. let's tell so, her like let's have her tell her friend like yeah i just always see nick going over to go's woodshed and i just I feel like he's keeping something from me there because then penny would obviously blab it yep yeah and then things like things like the the money like the the money satchel falling off like why did she have it with her at the mini golf course just things like that where it's like it again it starts to veer into nightmare fantasy of like it's going to go that wrong like that wrong um and you know none of that is enough to turn me off from the movie it's not like the mistakes that people make are so egregious that it would never happen in real life but it's just like one terrible co- coincidence stacks up on another stacks up on another stacks up on another it just creates this perfect storm of awful for everyone involved yep yeah. I mean, I guess there's that that screenwriting tip that it's like, hey, coincidence and luck 
can get your characters into trouble, but it can never get them out of trouble. Totally. I completely agree. Like they can, like our crew on the Death Star, they can coincidentally happen to fall into a trash compactor that has a monster in it and is about to squish them. But they can't just be like, oh, well, lucky thing it turned off. They have to use their wits to get out of it. Uh, so it's a little a little bit interesting, though, that the bad things that are happening are supposed to be or- orchestrated by a person. You know, so it feels like there's almost no room for luck or coincidence. I think maybe that's why it, it seems so off to me. Yeah. It's like her plan is so masterful. Like, why throw in all like, why not just go ahead and tighten up all those screws? Yeah. I really thought, by the way, I thought his dad wandering was going to be tied in somehow. Like she went and like got him out of the um, like retirement community that he was in or assisted living facility yeah, I that can he was see in how that to distract him. But yeah. it never, it never really plays into anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if she had like gone and told him she was pregnant and told him that Nick was going to hurt her, you know, like right. and, and, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think maybe that would have been cool to tie it in. A worthy super dump. A worthy. I felt, I felt pretty worthy. good. I felt pretty good about it. Can we talk about Neil Patrick Harris though? That's my super dump. Okay. Tell me. I don't why. think he should have been. I don't think he should have. Okay. If Barney didn't exist on How I Met Your Mother, then Neil Patrick Harris is a perfect casting. <laughs> but Barney does exist, and this is okay. just Barney. There are moments that Neil, like Neil Patrick Harris, is not a bad actor. But there's moments. No. There are moments that he's he's doing a great job of playing like creepy, like oh no, like she's into a situation uh, enough to where we're supposed to be like just a little bit worried for her, right? Which feels weird because we've already seen how awful she is. No, dude, he's as scary as she is just in a different way. He's right. creepy, man. Right. But it's, I, I, it completely took me out. Yeah. I had not, he's too much like Barney when he's like, he's explaining his expensive things to a girl that he is trying to sleep with, which is exactly his character in it feels like they were it feels like they were real psyched they got Neil Patrick Harris too because we show the picture of Amy and uh what's his name in high school uh, Desi Desi and we're like oh look we can photoshop young Neil Patrick Harris into this movie and it's like everybody knows what he looked like when he was that when he was Doogie aged Doogie and so yeah. like it's just I agree that was weird to me It just shouldn't have I think it I like if we had like a John Hamm or like a ooh like somebody else who can kind of play off this um i don't know john ham wouldn't have been like a convincing like it's supposed to be a little bit of like a nerdy vibe maybe too or like someone <laughs> yeah. who was john ham is to ben affleck as handsome squidward is to squidward <laughs> they look too similar but i dude, think i i feel like so i far be it for me to tell you that your super dump is wrong i think you are totally entitled to feel that way about neil patrick harris for me he's the anti nick dunn like for me, he is this interesting cast of like the total opposite end of the spectrum. Like yeah. rich, refined, dorky, small. I'm not saying change the character. I'm saying change the actor. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I've had a vision. Don't have it be Neil Patrick. I've character. had a vision. Be, like, from, bring, let's give Toby Maguire another chance to be I was about to say Toby Maguire. Were you really? What on earth? Are you That's kidding wild. me? That's, That's wild. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. That's Mr. E. I don't. That's Mr. <laughs> e. Bananas, though. Yeah, yeah give Toby give Toby Maguire another yes. chance to do something with his life. Oh, how creepy could he have been? Right, like that could have been. I, I just think it could have been better. But I get it though. Like as I was reading about how David, this was the first time I had seen about 
the influence of just people's faces and how they look and how you cast certain characters, which is funny because that sounds like an obvious thing, but it's really not because it's like sometimes it's a money grab and sometimes it's X uh, or sometimes it's like they've played this character, so they'll be good at this. But just to like look at somebody like Neil Patrick Harris, if you're reading the book and and you see a picture of this guy and you're like, yeah, dude, that's perfect. Like yeah. this is such a great casting, but it's unfortunate for Neil Patrick Harris that uh, what he is most famous for is such a similar character. Yeah. I, I don't think that works for me. I know it doesn't, but that's valid. I, I do want to talk a little bit. So not to go too far down a rabbit trail of like really tough, tough, tough topic, but Amy obviously is a sociopath. We've just, dis- we've discussed that and she's scary and she plots and it's so crazy. But talking about her parents and the upbringing that she had and then being in this relationship with Nick, who is, I mean, I guess not a sociopathic murderer, but he's clearly a bad dude and just manipulative and um, using her. And then you've got this guy and like, obviously she's done bad things, but it seems like she just keeps ending up in situations where she is in some kind of danger. And like, it's weird to say sympathetic because I don't think that's it, but seeing her be taken advantage of by the people that steal her money and seeing her be like put into this weird, like it's the total like friend zone mindset of like, I was nice to you. Now you owe me sex or Wii sports. Um, but like seeing her be put into that situation by Desi is it's such a strange place to be for me as a viewer to be watching this person, knowing what she's capable of, knowing mm-hmm. how horrible she has been, but then also being like, ah, oh, but he's creepy and bad. And yeah. like, she, I don't know, man. It's such a strange transformation. Right. That's why I love her casting in this character. I love all of it. I love everything about Amy Dunn and then equally hate everything about Amy Dunn. But right. like she's, she is literally a strong female lead. Right. Like she is, the power is in her hands and she is in control and she, in some way, has probably had more of a psychological oppression uh, from both her parents and her husband that yeah. she is acting against. It's just really dark. It's like Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler. It's like right. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Like it's like it's it's got little tints of, um, hey, you know, we go through these kind of things, and there is a snapping point, and the equal like what's the fear of someone snapping and doing something <laughs> as extreme as she does. Uh, is a little more realistic than uh, some other characters might be. But it's, yeah. She, you know, you have points to where you feel like, I don't know. It's it's not that you, you become afraid for like women to be inspired by this character, but then right. you also get certain points of it. It's like with the certain oppression that she's had, like uh, Wii Sports related and just how women are in general. The fact that she knows that she can use that like against people and just how like thick headed men can be about certain things. Well, but also the, the, the cool girl, cause when you say that, what I think is like, it's the same thing as like, you would never want a dude to idolize Tyler Durden from fight club. Like his point is, yeah, yes. Brad Pitt is cool and the fights are fun. But the point of Tyler Durden is that he's a monster and it's the same thing with Amy Dunn. It's like, she's cool. She's pretty. And she does like 
intense things. But the point of Amy is that she has become a sociopath. Yeah. So you don't want anybody idolizing that. No, no, but no. then there's also this like meta commentary underneath of her cool girl persona that she talks about is protection. That's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. So that so that I don't know whether it the point is that she's she doesn't want to be known as who she really is or that the only way she feels like she can survive in a world dominated by men is by pretending to be the cool. Like there is this meta text underneath of like, I don't know. I don't want to get too esoteric or jokery or whatever, but like this meta text of like, this is what it takes to survive. Well, she's her whole life. Me, she's you know? been, it's been demonstrably proven that the world is only interested in who she can pretend to be. Yeah. Right? They're only interested in amazing Amy, not Amy Elliott. And so yep. why why stop pretending ever? Yeah, right. You have, you have put it in much more eloquent words, eloquent words than what I was trying to do. But it's it is very much a. I bet that a majority of girls that watch this movie will have a moment that they relate to Amy Dunn. Sure. Yeah. Right. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's what makes it so scary. Is like once you can kind of like legitimately relate to such an awful character. Yeah. It exposes things in you, which are like, oh, because, you know, if if people could see on a, uh, you know, $50 million budget scale, the thoughts of people before of like how they would want to act things out. That's some kind, that's kind of what you get with Amy, except she actually did it. I think watching this, she actually went that This is the first time I've watched it as a husband. And like, there are definitely, and I'm not proud of it, definitely times that I relate to Nick in this, where it's just like, man, all he was trying to do was play a video game you know what i mean and he's like just being a (laughs) slob and being a bad husband and being selfish and thinking about himself and there are moments where it's like man i can look back and i've done that oof i don't want to be like nick right right and it that that's the that's the linchpin right you never want to look back at those moments and think nick was in the right because i was in the right isn't it cool that i did what nick did yeah. Right. It, you're supposed to look at Nick and go, oh, I've done that and I'm not proud of that. That was a, that was a bad look on my part. Like yeah. I should be better than yeah. that. And I think the danger comes. So I have a real problem with one line, not because of Nick, the character saying it, but because of the potential read of an audience member that comes in in the wrong state of mind, which is Nick saying, I'm so tired of being uh, torn down by women or whatever Ripped he says. Ripped apart by powerful women or something Ripped like that. Ripped apart by powerful yeah. women, which feels which feels like a dangerous toe dipped in the water of, um, I'm going to use like a kind term for it. Uh, men that like to blame women for their problems rather than search themselves on how to be better. Oh, I think that's what it's, it's supposed nice to be. Way. Yeah. Cause Correct. he gives that line right after he has had we sports on the couch. You know? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's supposed to be gross. Again, it's the kind of thing that much like we talked about with Joker of like, if you, the scary thing about Joker is people leaving and siding with Joker. Sure. The scary thing about Gone Girl is people leaving and siding with Nick or Amy. Yeah. With anybody. Yeah. I think this, I, I think this movie is put together uh, more thoughtfully than Joker is though. I don't, I don't certainly. think there is. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I like to believe in the goodness of my fellow man. And I don't think there's a person alive who would leave this movie going, I want to be just like Nick or just like Amy. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, Maybe another way to put this is, so if we go back to my personal Mount Rushmore of villains, Joker, Commodus, Hannibal, Amy. The scariest thing about Amy Dunn is that out of the four of them, uh, you've got a better chance of meeting her, have met her yeah. and not know anything about Yeah, it. the scary thing about her is that there is no like justice. There is no like, maybe punishment's the wrong word, but like 
every other person on that Rushmore gets some some bit of comeuppance. You know, that's a good point. But Amy doesn't. And actually, I think my super dump is going to be related to that. Particularly the scene where she is still covered pretty much head to toe in Barney blood. Uh, and she's telling telling the medical team and telling the, the investigative team what has happened. Uh, th- to me, that there are obvious holes in that. And I don't think there's a single investigative team that's going to be like, wait, I'm sorry, what? You're saying you're, yeah. you're tired, so we're going to have to just brush about. over it? And there is, too, the, the other element of like, I get that as awful as it is, uh, with the type of things that she's accusing Barney of, her body is the scene of the crime, which is a horrible violation. Right. But her yeah. her parents and family are in that room. We don't have to have her covered like up to the side of her face with his blood. Like we can, we don't have to save all yeah. his blood. You yeah. know, right. it's yeah, it's funny. It's great for imagery's sake too, and how much people are like buying into what she has to say. Yeah. I thought that aspect of the movie is brilliant too, because she's such a. Uh, she is such uh she's a culture expert. Like she knows the influence of which story will bring in the most people. And to see everybody but the detective that we've been following that is completely buying sure. into it is I think I think it is exaggerated a little bit, but to a good point. That took me out of it. Because we bit, placed though. our detective in the middle of like, also, I don't think there's gonna be 30 people in her room, right? But I love that image of everyone just being like, and they they choose to zoom in on certain people. Like when we're zooming in on the women that are looking at and are conflicted about uh, Ben Affleck's character when he's speaking to the town about finding Amy, yeah. and one yeah. of them's like, oh, "He's awful," and the other one's like, "Yeah, but he's hot." You know, it's like to to get just the thoughts play out through some of the dialogue. I think is really good, but that's a good point, Doge. It's the thing is though, for some reasons like that, when we have like the bloody character that it's like why is the blood still on there if the payoff is we get the shower scene where they're just in the shower together in an intimate setting and she's just cleaning off a pint of blood and unraveling sort of her yes dude i love that scene yes i love i've also said the word unravel more in this episode than i (laughs) have in my entire life mr e says the word unravel in our intro you've probably got it on the brain you're probably right uh we do get our first we remote ever and hopefully our last on uh on uh two chunks yeah is that our so first I do apologize. why are you saying it like that <laughs> i'm trying to think so funny hey I, oh toy story yeah i do <laughs> i do want to land on the very end of this um, it feels like there are many this feels like it has a little bit of return of the king where it's like oh it's over it, uh, oh it's over oh no it's over Wait, no, now bit. it's over. When, when I say the very end, I think I just mean the the final landing points of everyone. Ugh. Particularly the the I mean, obviously it's like grim. It ends so grim. Like I'm staying with her. That's rough. And she's trapping him with a baby, which is what he's always wanted, and he's going along with it because he I mean, it's the whole thing. He pushes her against the wall. It's just awful. Like the scene with Ben Affleck and Carrie Coon in her kitchen. Ooh. Give her every role. Yeah. Let's put her in anything. And she's got that. She's got that Joan Cusack voice a little bit too. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. She's good, man. I think her role, her role, I think Margot's role is so tough and we don't really get to think about it much because of how well she does it. Yeah. But especially that scene. Gosh, man, she does such a good job. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my favorite, favorite acting moments in this movie. Totally. 
I mean, she's just, she blows me away. There's actually a lot. I, I, I found myself last night, not like being in disbelief that it was only my second time watching it, that I had not gone back and watched I think it. This is my third time to watch it. Every time I'm impressed by Tyler Perry. Yeah. He's really great. <laughs> Why is he you that know what? good? Like, that's the difference. You can't make an argument about, I don't think you can, about, well, you said this about Neil Patrick Harris being this famous character, and we have Tyler Perry in this movie. It's like, I'm not thinking about Medea, though. You know, it's it's so far from stuff that he's done before. And he doesn't usually do this stuff. I don't know if y'all read that trivia, but he says in an interview that his agent didn't tell him how popular this story was and how big a deal this movie was supposed to be because Tyler Perry doesn't usually go after those roles because there is so much expected from, from things that are already created. Yeah. And he is afraid to not meet expectations, but I think he's a great cast. You see him and you're like, so good. which Tyler Perry has done this a few times in movies that he just kind of shows up. Uh, But I think he does a great job because he's just so he gets to be uh, the audience's voice a little bit in a humorous way. And he's about the only humor we get outside of like Margot uh, and Nick interactions. Ben Affleck is a big tall boy. Tyler Perry's a big tall boy. Yeah. Is he really? He's six yes. foot five. What? He makes Batman look short. Holy Ben moly, Affleck dude. is six four. And Ben Affleck looks like a normal sized boy next to Tyler Perry. Yep. That is crazy. That's awesome. Ben Affleck, I don't think enough about how Ben Affleck is just a big He's dude. He's big, big Affleck. Big, big Affleck. Um, it is time to rate this movie, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get shot by a poison dart if I even try to do it myself. Dude, so that'll be I, so I guess, funny, like Ace Ventura. That'll be so dude, funny. And I bet I would get shot like a like a huge number of times. Yes, like dude. Once. <laughs> Vanessa would be so proud of your number joke. Take it hey, away, that actually Mr. was e. funny, though. <laughs> it was. The best thing they could say about this movie is own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. The next best thing is buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. Almost the worst is forget it. And lastly, and worst, God hath forsaken us. I'll rate it first. Yeah, please. I would like to go ahead and buy the poster for Gone Girl. Okay. Um, it is, you know, Jordan, I think we've all talked about it, but Jordan, I think you've mentioned it a few times that you like couldn't believe this was only like maybe your second or third viewing, that it's been yeah. so long in between. Yeah. But there is this thing that it does with you subconsciously when you're watching that's like, you know what? Not yet. <laughs> I don't Dude, think I'm ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to go back into that experience. And yeah, that's a pit th- to crawl into. It's a good kind of not yet because there's bad movies that say that too. But this one is really done so well with the highlight being Rosamund Pike uh, as Amy. But I think even, even with the minor flaws in here, uh, this is just really such a good and underrated uh, movie from a director that has the chops for it and should be should be acknowledged for this movie uh, maybe as much as some of his biggest, biggest films. I am also going to own it. I'm never going to lend it and I'm going to buy the poster. This was, I think my third time to watch it, but it hits the right. Uh, we've talked before on the show about how, like if you're writing a, a mystery story, you basically have to write two stories. Uh, the analogy mm-hmm. could be like, I have to make a beautiful painting 
and then rip up the painting and put it back together in a way that also looks like a painting. You know, like it's got to work on multiple levels. And I think this just does an all credit to Gillian Flynn for her incredible screenplay. But it just yes. this movie is so much better than it should be, because if I just explained it to you, you'd be like, oh, that sounds like a, a soap opera. Right. That sounds like it sounds like an episode of Lives of Our Lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lives <laughs> right. of Our Lives. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, this this rating was actually tough for me. Um, I'm I'm buying this movie. Um, and what it boils down to for me is, uh, and it's it's this is the sign of a good movie when I have to justify why it's not higher versus justify why it's higher than it should yeah. be. Like to me, this is the sign of like we have just discussed a killer movie. This movie is awesome. I think it's one of David Fincher's best. Um, it's got, you know, some, some dark, interesting characters and performances. And I really, really do love it as I'm watching it. And as I'm finishing it, there is an element just to me of like, I don't know what to call it. Like there's like poster magic that is missing. Like there is, there is something that's not in it that I want in it and I can't put my finger on it. And there's just Mm. something that keeps it from me for being like a, throw it up on the wall. This is an all time, you know? Um, but man, I do love it, but I'm sticking with buy it. I feel good about that. This is, I think the most unsettling movie that we've done on the show. Oh no, without a doubt. It's the, it's and the in, hardest in my not opinion, yet movie for me. We have another pretty deeply unsettling movie, movie headed our we way. Got another couple, I think. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done prisoners. Yeah, so that's, that's true. There. That's, that's, that's this a good point. Leave me with that same feeling when I left. I saw both of those in theaters and I left both of them being like, Ooh, I'm creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, I think I know, uh, as you were talking about, I had to look it up to remember his name and forgive me, but I think I know what you feel like was missing. You couldn't put your finger on it, but let me help you. Uh, Eric Von Detten. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay. What if he was, yeah. what yeah. if he was, uh, Desi? If at the end, honestly, been hey, hey, though, hey, though, <laughs> what if he was Desi? No, I heard it. If at the end, hey, Nick though, what if he was the unborn baby? <laughs> okay, it's baby Brink Affleck. Now I'm in. If if Nick and Amy had been standing together at the end in the shower <laughs> and then and then uh, Andy Brink Brinker yeah. had walked in and had been like, Team Puppet Suds, am I right, guys? I think it would have been a poster for me. <laughs> am I right? What if he's like, what if he's like, we're expanding <laughs> Team Puppet Suds and now we will also wash, <laughs> also wash team crime scenes off of people. Team Puppet Suds and Buds. What's up? You're my buds. Here's a, a sponge. <laughs> What's up, my buds? <laughs> uh, to end today's episode, Macaulay Re- Culkin. Say each, of our, say each of our names. Well, may, maybe say each of our names and recast Amy to ruin this movie. Uh. <laughs> uh, for two chunks and a hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and this time Amy is Paul Giamatti. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm Doge, and Amy will be played by Megan Trainer. What? That's just out of that's out of nowhere. Um I'm Carter and You've Andy already done it. it. I guess I already have. But second place would be Elmo. <laughs>
<laughs> Carter, give us a taste of uh, Elmo as Amy Dunn just to send us home the right way. I've killed for you. Who else can solve that? I don't like I it. I think it's worse. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.